Yeah. Yes, he James. Had stroke based in, I guess it's from a vocal therapist. He has, uh, he has and I don't know the cancer's coming back on my not. Okay. We'll, we'll pray for that too, Ray. Thank you. Okay. So as we get ready, also we're going to have a gospel concert on the 17th here with two different uh, families and quartets. So we got a we got a big time going on. God's being glorified in everything that we do. And that's the main thing because everything that we do is to glorify him and to be ambassadors for Christ, to lead souls to him. So as we prepare for the lesson, another thing we like to do is to clear our minds and and uh, give you a moment to say a a prayer on your own to clear your mind and prepare your heart for the reception of God's word. And then I'll close this out in prayer for not only today glorifying God, but for all of these folks as well. Father in heaven, as we are, we've sang praises to you. Now we've prepared our hearts and minds to worship you. And as we do, Father, and we lift up our prayers unto you, I want to read all of these names that has been brought forward. And, and Joni for her aunt, and Ruth Ann Arney, and Kara Harrington. She's a 17-year-old girl, Father, that's a senior this year, and she's got cancer and She's in the hospital right now at Riley. And we pray, Father, that you will be with her and that you will heal her of this and that you will lead those physicians in what they're supposed to do and that you as the great physician will take care of her. And Father, we thank you for the praise reports that we've had. Zoe and Nathan's friend and for Dean and for everyone else who is, who is here that has just recently came through things and also for Allie and Jan and Michelle, and Ann Foley, and Dixie, and Larry Linton, and uh, Brenda, and Ray, and James, and Nikki, and Rich, and Teresa, and Daniel, and Cloud, and the family who lost uh, the loved one on the motorcycle, and also with Matthew with his court date, Father, and for each and every one here who did not mention what it is that's on their heart, but we know that everyone Life happens each week, each month, each day, each moment. And so, Father, everyone has something pressing. Everyone has something going on either at home or with self or with family. And so, Father, I pray that right now that you who know everything about everyone, that you will start working and solving each one of these things in your own way, Father. We pray that you will be mighty to help and mighty to save and that you're an ever-present power that we can call upon that will be with us, Father. And as we break the bread of life this day, your holy and divine word that you've left with us, Father, you know the lesson that you've placed upon my heart. Every week I ask you to remove me from it and to allow your spirit to give what the body of Christ needs for this week. And it kind of goes in direct correlation with and against 
everything that we've just talked about this morning of the medical profession because of something that happened in the news that we're bringing out. So, Father, you've made it very special and you've confirmed it several times already in the last two days that this is your word and what the direction that needs to be to warn folks and also to encourage folks. So, Father, I pray that as we open this up, that it will be taken in the way that you wanted it to be taken, that you allow me to present it and to glorify you for everything that we do is to glorify and to honor you and to build up the body of Christ and to give us strength and hope and courage to carry on. So, Father, may your will be done this day in our lives. We're going to give you all praise, honor, and glory for whatever way it turns in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Grace to all of you and peace this Lord's Day from God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's a special day because it's the Lord's Day. And if you're already out, the theme for today is going to be from John 10.10 after I wrote it. The thief, our enemy, comes not except to steal, to kill, and to destroy But Jesus says, I come that you might have life and that they might have it even more abundantly. So that's the battle. The real battle that goes on each and every day is the battle between good and evil, between right and wrong, between the forces of darkness versus the forces of light. And the forces of light come to heal, to show love, to give life. And more abundantly, the forces of evil come to deny, to destroy, to tear down, and try to rebuild in a different way that is a different way from God. And we're about ready to get really deep into something on the Word of God. We were right at the fact where we left off last week. We were right at the fact that God was making man, and that man saw that there was no suitable helpmeet for himself. And so God said, you're right, there's not one that I've made yet, but I'm getting ready to make that one for you. And he, we saw that he put Adam into a deep sleep and performed that first surgery on him, that first medical procedure that comes from the hand of God. And he reaches in and he removed a rib and we said we're going to leave off right there with the Lord God grabbing that rib out of the body of Adam and we're going to pick it up this week. And that's what I fully intended to do. And exhibit one for the case of God was supposed to be man in, in this courtroom battle between he and the devil and the rebellion that had went on. And exhibit 1A was going to be what he made from man, exhibit one, from that rib. And we're going to get into it here in a minute, but he built it. Whenever God made man, he did three things. There was bara, asa, and yatser. And so what that means is, is that with, with Asa, that means you make something out of something. So God had already created the heavens and the earth, and there was dust on the earth. And it says that the Lord God took the dust of the ground, so he began making something out of something that he had created. And that was that dust, so he began making man. And whenever he used the dust of the ground to change it into what is going to become flesh and blood, and bone, and marrow. He he says he formed man, and that was the Yatsar part. So he took that dust of the ground, and he formed it into the body that we had. I mean, he put the symmetry there. He put the head, the shoulders, the arms, the legs, everything within and without 
was formed to precision, to precise things that he had. And then, as man lay there in flesh and blood and bones, there was no breath of life within him yet. And so that's where bara comes in. And that's the word that means that you create something from something. It becomes something that it never was. From the breath of God, when he breathed it into the nostrils of man, man became a living soul. And that living breath of God never dies. It never dies. The body will go back and reverse the process back to the dust of the ground from which it came. But that soul of man that was breathed in will go back to God who gave it to one of its of two eternal homes of the soul. And so that's where we were at whenever we ended from uh, Genesis chapter 1. We were in there talking about everything then from verse 3 to the end of what God did to prepare this earth for the habitation of man upon it. And to have a good life. And all the creatures that he created. The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets. The atmosphere, the waters. The things that swim in the waters. The the birds and the animals that fly in the air. And all of the creatures. Was made by God for man. And for man's good pleasure. And then we began to look at all of the things that God did to restore all of that. And then at the last verse of Genesis chapter 1. If you're there following along. It says in verse 31 that whenever God looked at everything that had been done since verse 1, that God looked at it and said, it is indeed, behold, very good. And I want to ask you, what else could a perfect God with a perfect plan and a perfect creation say about it? But it is very good. So he took a look at everything he had done and he said it's very good. And I can't help but go back to Isaiah 45 and verse 18. It keeps coming back to my mind all the time. On on that one it says, Thus saith the Lord who created the heavens. And that's that word again. He made it out of nothing and spoke it into existence. He is God and he formed the earth. See the same thing happened with the earth that happened with man. He spoke it. He formed it. And he made it. That's the same three words there. He made it and then he formed it. He put the Grand Canyons in. He did everything that he did with the design. He did not though create it in vain we saw. It's in, in chapter 1 verse 2 of Genesis it says that the earth became without form and void. And darkness on the face of the deep. No he had made it. But then it became something else. I did not create it in vain in an emptiness. But I established it and I now have to form it to be inhabited. I am the Lord God and there is no one else. And as I keep reading that verse and I keep being reminded of something. What I did not emphasize before that God emphasized today because God's timing is always perfect. Is the word established there. He not only spoke it into being and created, he not only formed it and made it, but he established things. And everything that you read about in that book of Genesis is the divine establishments of God. It is the things that he put from his plan in order to be divine establishments. I'm going to pick on you for a minute, my buddy. We went to school together. You didn't know I was going to do this, did you? But you and your brother established a business in town, didn't you? Mm-hmm. They do Myers cabinets. 
and you established a business. And what that means is that you, you made a plan and you did it and you established it. You'll see on places on buildings or on other businesses that will say established 19 whatever the year is. That means whoever is behind it and whoever has the authority to do those things says I establish how it's going to be run and my laws of creation establish and set in order what it is supposed to be. And here's how it's supposed to be. And so the Lord God begins talking about what it's going to be in the dictionary. Merriam-Webster says about concerning this divine establishments of God concerning heavens, earth, and the things of the earth and man. It says it means to institute something. It means to make it by laws, how it's going to run permanently and enact and agreed upon. It becomes firm and stable so that it can grow and multiply. So God established and set forth some things within His Word so that the earth and so that the things upon the earth that He has created can be established and can be set forth and multiply and to fill up the earth. Is that not what He told man and woman and all of the creatures that He created when He said it is very good? He said, I want you to go forth. I want you to be fruitful. And I want you to multiply. And I want you to fill up the earth. Now what I want you to know is, is that everything that God sets in order as a divine establishment of His, the enemy's mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. So everything that God sets up as His establishment, the enemy wants to tear it down and destroy it. God said, I, this is the way I want you created, and this is the way you will go forth and fill up the earth. And the, the enemy says, no, that's not right. And as I was going over our chapter and preparing for this, what I... What I saw that it, back in Genesis 1 and verse 26 beginning when God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion of the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and the things of the land and the creeping things. And then verse 27 says, So God created Man in his image, in the image of God created he them. I think he's trying to emphasize something that this belongs to God. And male and female, he created them. And God blessed that law of divine establishment and told them to go forth, be fruitful and multiply, fill up the earth, subdue it and have dominion over it. Brothers and sisters in Christ that is the divine establishment of God according to male, female, how to procreate, how to fill up the earth and to enjoy things. That are divine establishments. Now, some things got me fired up because Satan's job, I said, is to tear every one of those divine establishments down and tell you that those are lies, that that's too constricting, that that's not in your best interest. That's, that's too much for you to do. You ought to have some choice in this matter. And so, 
His job is to repudiate and to refuse to accept or be associated by those boundaries and laws of God's establishment of his creation. And he wants to put his own type of establishment in upon that, which a lot of people call a new world order. I call it the old world order. It goes all the way back to the garden and it's still in process today is to, to deny the divine establishments and word of God for the way things are supposed to be. And another piece of it was revealed to me this week. Every moment of every waking day, Satan is trying to do that. He is trying to tear down and destroy the divine establishment and decrees of God the Father as according to everything about his creation and laws that he established. And what we're finding out now is the people in high places are ran by the powers of darkness because they control this world. He is the prince of this world and the ruler of it. He had the authority in Matthew chapter 4 to go up to Jesus in that temptations in the wilderness and tell him he showed him the beauty, not the things that he's destroyed of the world and the civilizations and the homes and the lives, but the beauty of the things and he says, all of these I would give you if you would but bow down and worship me. He had the authority to do that because he is now the ruler over those things. He could have done that. And Jesus refused because the cross had to come before the crown of redeeming all things back unto him. But everyone tries to tell you that is now it seems to be an authority over things that this is all being done in your best interest. We're trying to look out for you and to give you the choice and we don't want to create hardships upon you. And the thing that stuck in my craw this week was whenever I saw what got snuck in in June and nobody has noticed it and nobody's out there talking about it, but it goes right along with what we are just studying right now with the divine establishments of God. And I'm going to preface all of this right now. I'm going to smile for a minute. I'm going to put someone else on the spot here for a second. My wonderful niece or cousin right here, she's um, a nurse with a master's degree, that is at the cancer center here in Martinsville. I've got a gentleman over here who is a survivor from that. I've got several survivors and ongoers from that. I can look out and I know each and every one of you that have brought your situations to me and what the medical establishment and everything that's being uh, done in the medical world and how much good that there is. And I love my doctors. I love Miss Dwyer. I give her a hug every time that we're in there and she does me and we tell each other how much we love each other. But you know as well that there's some evil stuff going on in there too, isn't there? There is. I want everyone to remember that it was the tree of knowledge of what? Good and evil. People don't get lured in by evil. They get lured in by good, don't they? Whenever everything looks good and appealing and, and everything is nice and it's that way, that's how you get lured in. Satan used 90% of the words right whenever at that tree he said, you will not surely die. One word. You see... 
90% truth and 10% false or evil intent is still evil intent and still wrong. And with all of the good that comes through cancer research and through the surgeries that happens and stabilizing people and the medical procedures. Jackson, let me see your arm. Come here. I'm going to put you on the spot. Come here. Come here. Raise your arm up here. I, you, you might not be able to see it, but right here there's some holes because you jumped off of a high fence and broke your arm and broke your elbow and they had to put pins in there and then take them out, didn't they? You see... It does so much good, but there is an undertone of evil that's going on, and it's going on right now, and it's going on big time. And what I want to do is I want to let you know exactly who is in charge of all of it and why it's 90, 80, 70, whatever percent it is good, but there's also a part that is suckering all of us in for some things. I want you to know who's running this. You probably can't read all of that. I tried to make it as big as possible, and it looks good on a computer screen, don't it, Miss T? But that's the AMA website, the American Medical Association. And this is what stuck in my crawl this week because I found out from a news source, a Christian news source, that on June 16th they had their yearly board of director meetings. And what they did whenever they got in that board of director meetings, the part that is all highlighted up there, it says that they're removing the designation from all public records of birth certificates going forward of whether you are born male or female. They sat there and they made the decision that we are going to remove any record of that. And I'm going to read you what all of that little highlighted thing says because I put it here. It says this. They voted to remove the sex designation from public birth certificates. No longer will your birth certificate indicate male or female. This is aimed at protecting you. It's protecting your individual privacy and preventing any discrimination. So the AMA will advocate for the removal of sex as a legal designation on the public portion of the birth certificate records. This new policy aligns with our already existing policies of the AMA, recognizing that here's your good that's, that they're trying to tell you on the, to coat over. It's like... Baking a cake of cyanide and putting vanilla icing on it. They said, our new policy of this sugar coating goes over the fact that we've already said that every individual. Let's see, they're putting you in charge instead of God. Every individual has the right to determine their gender identity and their sex identification and designation on any government document. So designating sex on a birth certificate as a male or a female and making that information available to the public portion perpetuates a view that sex designation is permanent and it fails to recognize the medical spectrum of gender identity. And I say that you fail to understand that it is a divine establishment of God that is permanent. What gives them the right to say that the things of God that He designed 
in the creation and the divine establishment that he set forth is wrong. But it's for our good. That's how they do it. They try to brainwash and convince you of what it is. Did you hear that? They also added this. This type, male and female designations, this type of categorization of you also risks stifling your individual self-expression and self-identification, and it contributes to the marginalization or the minoritization of the individual, said AMA board chair-elect Sandra Adamson Fryhofer, MD, and that's what that says right there. Did you hear that? Who gave you the right to say that? I'll tell you who did. The one who is really controlling the brain patterns of all the people who get up to the high elected offices. I don't know if you can see it there, but where it says AMA, there's something right beside of it. We're going to bring that right out. They're they're no longer hiding what they're trying to do like they did before. They're putting it plain out. Give me that next slide, Miss T. There's exactly what that logo is. Does it remind you of anything? It's a serpent, isn't it? And it's wrapped around a wooden rod. And it's the American Medical Association's logo. And I don't know if you can see it, but on every curve, there's a line that's like separating it. Looks like ribs, don't it? (laughs) It looks like ribs. So we're taking what God has divinely established and how God made it and separated man from woman and what he started to build the family as we're going to see here in the future uh, at the end of this lesson from a rib that it looks like the snake is made up of ribs and he's wrapped around a, a rod that he's got there. No longer are they trying to hide and expose. They're going to lure you in with sweetness and goodness. But there's something evil that is at the head of these organizations. And they get you to trust them by the good that they do. And praise God for the good that they do. And the good workers that we have. And the good researchers that we have. But we got dark labs. And we got dark researchers. And we got dark people who are trying to change the things of God into the things of the devil. Now, and that's... A lot of you weren't here three and a half years ago whenever I taught on the first four chapters in the book of Revelation. But in chapter 2, in verses 12 through 17, we did the church at Pergamos. Pergamos means the high places. And if you're familiar with all the high places in the Old Testament, that's where the worship of Baal went on and Ashtaroth. And they had their poles up there that represented the phallus of a man, if you get my drift of what it is. And that they held their different orgies and religious things there. And I taught you back then that it says that in Pergamos, it was where Satan dwells. He, He wrote to him and said, I know who you are and where you live. And you live in the place where Satan dwells. Well, what was there? The Acropolis of Zeus and the Temple of Escapolis. I'm just going to pronounce it that way. This gentleman and these two different figures is Escapulus. He is known as the God of medicine from 7th 
B.C. 700 B.C. on was when he came into existence. And I taught then exactly who this cat is. So we're going to do a little review for a moment. He said, I know your works and you're in the high places. And you've got the, the thrones there of Satan that's there. And he says he didn't give him any of the false pretenses. There's two demonic temples, Zeus and Asclepius, the medical system school of establishment that comes from the seat of the devil. Now, the story behind it is, around this cat, is around 700 B.C. Apollo, one of the gods, was supposed to be his father. His mother was Coronas, and Coronas was a regular woman, and Coronas... Uh, she was supposedly unfaithful to Apollo and he got so bitterly jealous by seeing that baby growing in the belly that whenever she was about ready to deliver, he had his sister Artemis. Now you're going to see a picture in a, in a couple slides here of, of Artemis as Baphomet. Artemis is in Acts chapter 19 whenever Paul was there and the big uproar in Ephesus was over Diana, the, the goddess of love that was their god of Ephesus. But it was also called Artemis. Why? Because that god of sexual fertility was either, could be both male and female at the same time. Whatever day they wanted their gender ID, identity to be. So one day it would be Artemis, but it was also Diana. And it was the same god of fertility that they had. The sister of Apollo, the god that was the father of this cat, his sister's name is Artemis. The male identity of the female that, that it represented behind. And so he had her to kill Coronis because of that. And they threw her upon the funeral pyre, which means where they were getting ready to just burn her body. It was the stack of wood. And as they began lighting that, Apollo started thinking, and whatever little touch of love was in his heart, he said, I'm going to bring that baby out. So he cut open the womb of her while she lay upon that and pulled this baby out. And that's the same thing that this organization has done to 62 million babies since 1973 when they've cut them from the womb. Where am I at? Okay, this, this guy here, Apollo began raising Escapulus up. He said, I'm going to give to him the gift of healing, of arts, of medicine, of drugs, and of surgeries and different things. And that's what his specialty is going to be. And he, he started growing up, and when he got into his teenage years, he was turned over to a mentor. And that mentor was a centaur that was named Chiron. And Chiron was wise in all of these arts. And he began also. So this guy was a half horse or goat and a half man. And began teaching him deeper into the occultic arts of this stuff. And so one day as he was graduating from that. He found a snake. A serpent. That evidently wasn't feeling well or something. And so he befriended it. And he began doing his arts upon it. And that snake lived. Now I'm just telling you the history of what you can look up. Whether how much, I don't know. I'm just telling you what you can look up. You just Google Escapulus and, and his life and this is what it is. 
But this is who was the God of medicine that the medical establishment still to this day uses his symbol. So it said that that snake was so, the serpent was so joyful that he had taken him in and had healed him that one night while he lay sleeping on the floor, the snake crawled up and licked all of the things out of his ear, whatever crud or anything that was in there. And that serpent whispered into his consciousness all of the occultic arts of drugs and surgeries and even to supposedly the resurrection of, of dead ones. And so he was given that and that snake followed him everywhere. They had befriended each other and he walked with a rod. And each day the serpent would entangle himself around the rod and go to wherever Escapulus went. And that was the symbol. And so when they carved him, it was that. And there is what is called the rod of Escapulus. Does that look familiar to anyone? That is the symbol of the AMA, the American Medical Association, and of the, the doctors as well. It is the rod of Escapulus. And I got to thinking about this time. About rods and about serpents or wooden things and serpents and rods. And how that Satan has to imitate and mock and then try to destroy what was God's and invent it to himself and say that it was his. When we find in our next chapter that we get to with Eve, it doesn't begin with either in Genesis 3, Adam or Eve. It begins with what? The serpent was more clever than any of the, the beasts of the field which the Lord God had created. And so the first thing we see is a serpent. And most of the pictures that you will see if you Google anything about Genesis 3 and the tree is he's wrapped around the tree. Have you saw those pictures? Every time you see that, God gets ready to send Moses back over to Egypt. To let my people go. And he says, man, I know what all they got over there. I can't do this. I can't. And God says, I'm the one you're going to be able to speak because I formed the mouth. And you're going to be able to outdo them because I am with you. And I'm going to show you the first one. Throw down your rod. You remember he had his shepherd's rod? He said, throw down your rod. What did it turn into? Uh, cobra. Turned into a snake. Cobra. It turned into one of those things, didn't it? And he... Jump back with fear. And God said, no, it's okay. This one's mine. Grab a hold of its tail. And he grabbed a hold of the tail and it turned back into a rod, didn't it? And you remember the first thing he did when he stood before Pharaoh and started talking to him. And those magicians on the other side threw down their rods and they became what? Snakes. And so Moses threw down the rod of God and that rod swallowed up those snakes. He that is within us is greater than he's in the world. But he that is in the world is trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything that is God's. Now there's three logos right there. You've got the American Medical Association. And you can even see the ribs a little better on that one. You've got what I call the heart of one world evil in the World Health Organization right there. And what they're getting ready to put down on everybody and demand everybody to get ready to do. You've got evil incarnate. Look at what the symbol is. It tries to, we are the world health 
organization. And the symbol is Escapulus' serpent on the pole. And this one over here is the Centers for Disease Controls Preventative Medicine and Residency Fellowship logo. They don't really try to hide who's in charge at the top of the food chain. I am so thankful for the ones that take care of me each and every day. But I want you to know that evil intent is also behind this. Evil intent to get people addicted to the things that they give you at first. The evil intent has already got the stuff behind it. I've already told you before that the word for witchcraft in Galatians chapter 5 when it talks about the works of the flesh the word for witchcraft is pharmakeia I worked for Eli Lilly and company 27 and a half years I worked with pharmakeia we've got good stuff and we've got other stuff it's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil so I want to make clear that I love the good parts of pharmacy, I love the good parts of doctors, but we've got some evil going on that they're no longer trying to hide behind things. And they have to do this sort of thing because it's almost like some code that they have is that they have to subtly reveal it so that you can't say that you was deceived like the woman was in the, in the garden. But anyway, so escapulous. He had his temple there and you would go there and here's how you would be healed. They would, have, they would give you a drug to make you go to sleep and hallucinate. And every place in that temple was filled with serpents. And you would lay down and you would have to wait for the hallucination to come of where that serpent would supposedly speak to you what your healing was supposed to be and then you would tell it to him of what the vision had been given you and that healing process by the ones who worked it would come into being. That's what it was based upon in the evil type of a way. Now, Genesis 1, we're going back to there in 2, is God's laws of divine decrees then and establishment. Male and female and freedom of choice. You have a freedom of choice in these matters concerning whether you're male or female. And you have, no you don't, right? But God gives you a freedom of choice that if you want to go outside of my laws, if you never want to obey the gospel of Christ, you have that. He don't break your arm, does he? You can listen to the other folks if you want, but these are my laws and I'm giving you freedom of choice. So God has given you freedom of choice. You don't have to be mandated with anything. God established marriage. He built woman from the man to establish family. And he said, go be fruitful and multiply. And these are the divine establishments. And the, the devil tries to tear each and every one of those down. He, he is a murderer and a liar and a thief from the beginning. You believe me? You believe that's what the Word of God says? I want to show you from the beginning. If you go to Genesis chapter 4, you have the story of Cain and Abel, don't you? And we see how that, that God had told them, because we know God told them what to bring, because in the book of Hebrews, it says, By faith, Abel brought the righteous sacrifice, and Cain didn't. Now, anything that is by faith, faith comes by what? Hearing, Hearing by what? Amen. 
So if it was done in faith, it came by the word of God, didn't it? So that means they were told by the word of God what to bring. And that's why Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's wasn't. And so Cain was sitting there with his face all long and drawn out because he had been rejected. And God said, why is your face looking so? Don't you know that if you do good, it will be acceptable? But if you don't get a hold of this root of bitterness that you've got going on in your heart, if you don't get rid of this, evil is crouching at your door and ready to explode upon you, and it will, so you've got to get rid of it. Don't, don't let it master you. You have to master it. But we read right after that that he didn't do that. He didn't obey. He had a freedom of choice not to obey that. And so he goes out and he kills his brother Abel. You want to know how he did it? Come back in a week or two and I'll share with you how he did it. <laughs> Preview of coming attractions. Because the word of God in a different place tells you how he did it. And I've seen so many pictures that are totally off base. Of what it is. But we will prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. From the word of God. How Cain slew Abel. But then it says this. About this murderer. He did it because Satan influences people. At all different kinds of levels. And those that he promotes to the top. Are fully uh, endorsed. And indwelt. And, and given directions from him. First John chapter 3. Verses three, 8 through 15 says that those that sin are of the devil. He sinned from the beginning. That's the purpose that God sent his son. And made him known that he might destroy the works of the devil. Because the devil is trying to destroy his works and his creation. Whosoever is born of God doesn't sin for his seed remains in him. You know what? Whenever you get that Holy Spirit and you get the Son of God. And if you're really led by him. Then you've got the seed of God within you. And it, and it helps guide you through things. And he says, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are made known by how they live. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he that does not love his brother. This is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And look at verse 12. Not as Cain. Why? Who controlled him? Who was of the wicked one, and it caused him to murder his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. He was influenced and murdered his brother because the evil one who was a murderer from the beginning influenced him and coerced him into that to do that. And that's why you have to take every thought captive in your heart for God and for Christ, it says. The devil's intention is to mock, deny, cast off, and destroy the God's divine establishment. His doctrine is replace and destroy and replace. So now I'm going to give you that picture that I told you it was going to come up in a couple of slides. Salve and coagulate. This, this cat right here is known as Baphomet. You ever seen Baphomet? I couldn't bring it up as close as I wanted to, but can you see the tattoo on the right arm and the left arm? You know what's tattooed on his arms? The right arm says Salve. The left arm says coagulate. That sounds like some blood stuff, doesn't it? Your blood, whenever it makes clots, does what? It starts coagulating. It starts... Yeah, that means to reform something. 
So they give you blood thinners to do what? Dissolve those clots and to get your blood thin and not thick. So the purpose and the mission of statement, God said for the purpose of giving life and life more abundantly and destroying the works of the devil, that was the mission of Christ and why he came. The devil's mission is destroy, dissolve, solve, and then rebuild in my order and in my establishment of things. And I want you to look at how he was designed. He's got that goat's head upon him with the pendulum and, and, and all of that that represents. That's the sexual demon part of him that goes on. Do you see how that it looks like a guy, but it looks like it's, it's got some feminine attitudes upon the chest? That is the Artemis and the Diana portion of the gender confusion so that you get to... to no, we're not going to put a permanent record. You, you can be whatever you want to be and not what God said that I put in my divine establishment. And then we just read how that God said that everyone who is born of me... It's from my seed. Do you remember what's going to be said in the garden? How that whenever God reads him the riot act after what has been done, he tells Satan that I'm going to put enmity between what? Thy seed and the seed of the woman. And you will crush his heel, but he is going to crush your head. So we're talking about seeds. And we just saw in 1 John that there's a seed of God. And that the seed of God is righteousness and those who are going to have an abundant life. Look where the seed of the devil comes from. Can you see? Can you see what is in there? That is the Caduceus, which is what came after Hermes, came on along with Escapulus, which is the rod of Escapulus with his serpent, along with the dark serpent of Hermes over there too. And you've got... The two serpents coming from the seed of the serpent. And it's also the identity of the medical establishment. So I want you guys to be aware of what's going on in high places of this world with some things that happen in this life. They're not even trying to hide it. We've got imitating both male and female. We got it sitting on top of the world. You remember the fall of Satan that we discussed about four weeks ago. He said, I will rule over God. I will place my throne over the top of the heavens and I will be on the top. There he is trying to set upon it. So this is what we got. Now last year, we're going to get ready to close. I promise. But last year, nobody probably heard this lesson because it was during lockdown. And I'm going to tell you something. I tried to give this lesson three times that night and tape it. I was so hoarse because I was so pumped and fired up. And then I would go up there and it didn't record. And I would set it again and I had to preach it again to nobody. And I went up there and it didn't record. The third time it kind of recorded but you can't hardly hear it. So I don't know if anyone heard it, if anybody remembered it. But it was about Amos. The book of Amos and about plagues that happen and things that are going on and why God brings things into the, into the world. And it's to wake people up. Whenever you see bad things happening and things that's putting fear into mankind, it's to wake people up to the fact that I am God. 
society is walking away from me and things are going away and I'm trying to prompt you to come back to me and to my mandates and to my establishments that I have. And man, he starts out in Amos. He's going to give about 10 different societies that he's coming against. And why is God coming against him? And why is he bringing fiery judgment? He said in chapter 1, verse 2, the lion roars. So this is going to be about the lion of the tribe of Judah that's going to be coming back. And he says, the lion is roaring. His voice utters from Jerusalem. The shepherds are about to mourn. I'm going to tell you something. We got a lot of folks, God knows who they are, I don't, but there's a lot of folks that are standing in places today preaching things that are not according to the Word of God. And they're going to end up mourning because there's some things that's going to happen because of their little candy-coated things that's, that's not going to be very nice and not very good upon them. God says, I'm getting ready to roar. The habitations, that's the places of the dwelling. That's the places where the saints gather. The shepherds are about to mourn. Carmel is going to wither. Why, Lord? Why? Well, thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions, yet for four, I will not turn away my punishment, because you're destroying lands, you're taking captive people, and you're not remembering brotherly love and covenants, but you are going after your brother with a sword and with other things. In verse 13, he says this, And they have ripped open the pregnant women who were with children to, to enlarge their places. Therefore, I will kindle a fire against them and it shall devour them. And the Lord's remembering us this day, I'm sure, of those 62 million 502,904 through 2020. Then he says this, Amos chapter 3. Hear the word of the Lord. He has spoken against you, O children of Israel, children of God, against the whole family. I brought you up out of Egypt. Listen to what happens to a nation under God when they leave God. He says, I will punish you for your iniquities. Can two walk together unless they are in agreement? How can God walk with those who are not in agreement with Him? You can't. He says, the, Therefore the lion, verse 4, will roar in the forest. Does he do that when he has no prey? No. Will the young lion cry out of his den if he has nothing? No. Therefore, verse 6, now listen. Therefore a trumpet is being blown in the city. But the people are not afraid. Folks, I looked at several things yesterday just from, just go to YouTube and look at things that's going on. Do you know that there's wildfires all over the world? Not just California, not just Oregon, Utah now, Arizona, Washington, Canada. But there are fires in South Africa. There's fires everywhere. I saw one where they're out in the water because the entire land is being engulfed in flames. The satellite of the International Space Station going across, half of America is covered with smoke. Do you see the brilliant bright orange and red sunrises and sunsets? That is two things. That is dust that's coming from the Sahara Desert on one end and the smoke of the fires that's coming from the other, and it's turning the sun beet red. 
Is anyone listening to the trumpets of God that are firing up? He says, I am blowing my trumpets, but no one is afraid. The trumpet was the sound of alarm and the sound of war, the sound that the enemy is coming to engulf you. And he says, you hear it, and you're not running to your posts and manning your posts and preparing to protect yourselves and your families and your land and your homes. Instead of doing that, you're acting like everything's okay. And you're going on. No one is acting like they're afraid of what's happening. Then he says this. Shall there be evil coming to the city, but the Lord hath not done it? He's doing it to wake us up. Surely the Lord will do nothing, but first... He reveal it to the prophets. You know what? There's a few that are trying to put out the word of repentance and coming back to God and to the divine establishments and standing up and not allowing those that have the image of escapulous say, you don't have to have on your birth certificate whether you're a male or a female. And give me all of those parts so that we can make all kinds of stuff from profit out of them whenever we take them. The trumpet is sounding, are you not afraid? Isn't it time that someone says to the American Medical Association, you're not removing the gender from my birth certificate. You put on there what my baby was born as. I'm blowing a trumpet, no one's afraid. The lion, look at verse 8, is roaring. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. But who is out there speaking my word to my people? Publish it abroad. And he goes on down in verse 12. And he says, By the time the shepherds get on the ball, they're going to be mourning. Why? Because they're going to, by the time you actually realize what happens, it's too late. And it says in the Word of God that all that is left of the sheep as he tries to pull it out of the lion's mouth will be the back two legs or a tiny piece of an ear. How many of you have a cat? How many of you have a cat that wanders around and brings stuff back to you that it catches? Have you ever seen... How many times have I walked out the back door or a member of my family, Nikki will squeal like a, like a girl. Because she's female. And she'll come in, Dad, there's two legs of a mouse or something, a mole or something out here. The cat likes to bring back and eat but leave a piece, doesn't he? He wants you to recognize that he was at work and he really wants your praise for it. Or a little piece of an ear or something little is left out there. God says, I am telling you what's getting ready to happen. I'm telling you why it is. Where are my people? The trumpet is sounding. Why is nobody afraid? Why is nobody sounding the alarm? Why are you not protecting the freedoms that you have and the rights and the divine establishments of God in your community and on your families? Why is nobody doing that? Well, by the time you end up, he goes on. He's going to go on in there and say that... uh, They're sitting, look, all that are dwelling there are in the corner of their bed or on a couch. Everybody is either laying in bed or they're on a couch eating bonbons and tater chips with sour cream and watching junk on TV and they're not saying, ooh, the warning is going out. 
Everybody is lying in comfort and just letting everything go on. And I'm not getting involved. And I'm not going to worry about this. And he says, by the time then you do get on the ball, the lion's already going to have you eight. And all that's left for the shepherd to come and say, I'm sorry, with is two hind legs. And that's all that you're going to have. He says, he goes on to say, and the church, a lot of the churches think, but God's not going to do that to us. We've been so sweet to everybody and we're telling. You know what he says? This is what happened. You're not, you're not ringing the alarms. And he says, you think you're protected by all of that stuff and that you go there every once in a while on a Sunday and, and all of that? He says, I want you to hear and testify to the house of Jacob. Thus saith the Lord God, the Lord God of hosts. And I've told you that word means the army. So we're in army mode. We're in attack mode. Thus saith the Lord God of the army. He says, I will visit that day. Now, I want you to catch this. I will visit that day for all of the transgressions of my house. I will visit the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. You say, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Because Bethel means the house of God. Beth is house and El is God. So judgment, in another passage in the Word of God, it says, begins at the house of God. So Bethel, you're going to flee to Bethel and say everything's good, and I'm going to grab the horns of the altar. You see, that altar is where the sin offerings were offered up to be burned up. And you're going to say, oh, but the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to grab a hold of the horns. You know what horns represents? Power. Horns are the power of the rams that are button heads, the rhinoceros that goes after you. The horns are the power. The biggest buck with the biggest rack knocks the other one out and takes the dough. So you got horns represent power. So whenever you read in the book of Revelation about horns, it's representing power. And so God says it represented power and protection and forgiveness and the providence of God for His people and the forgiveness upon that altar and he says so you're going to go running in that day back to the altar and grab a hold of the horns thinking that everything's now going to be all right well there's two instances in first kings one and two where that is not the case because david is dying and adonai is trying to take over the throne and say i'm going to be king bathsheba goes in on his deathbed and says you said that solomon was going to be the one who reigns after you. And he said yes. And he blessed and had Solomon to be the one on the throne. And when the, the comrades of Adonijah said. David has blessed Solomon. He's going to the throne and they're backing him. Adonijah ran into the tabernacle. And grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar. You see on each corner it had the, the horn. That's their depiction of it. And he ran and grabbed a hold of what he thought was the power behind the altar of God. And said, tell him not to kill me. Chapter 2, Joab does the same thing. Joab was, was, turned out to be an evil man underneath David. Boy, in the beginning he protected him. But he became uh, one evil dude after that. And he was backing some of the other guys. And so... David did not do the job himself, but decreed it upon his son to take care of all of those who would ruin the kingdom. And Joab was one of them, and he went after him. Chapter 2 of 1 Kings, he runs to the altar and grabs a hold of the horns. So they come back to Solomon and said, Joab is hanging on to the horns of the altar in the tabernacle, saying, don't kill him. 
And he says, has to be done. There's no protection now for everything that's been done. It's too late. Fall upon him. And they fell upon him while he was still holding on to the horns of the altar. So when the Lord God says, I'm going to come and visit Bethel, my house, and you're going to run to the altar and to the horns and grab a hold of it and say, God's going to save us and protect us, I'm going to say it's too late because you did not know me. You have never known me. And you have never been by my side. And the horns of the altar has fallen off. And that means there is no power behind that for you now. It is too late. So now is the time for us to get our house in order and get prepared and not put your glasses on backwards. <laughs> so that's what all of that means. Salve and coagulate. That is what the, the enemy wants to do. Dissolve everything that is of God and reform it into his order and what he wants to be and tell you it's for your own good. Isn't it for your own good? I want you to be able to do this. This is going to put you in a box if I did that. So God says, though, I am the lion of the tribe of Judah, and I'm blowing a horn, and you all had better get prepared. Don't let them do that. Don't let them lie to you. And then verse 14, the, the horns are going to fall off of that thing, and the protection is gone. So now, I'm going to tell you as we go back to chapter 1 of Genesis, I didn't mean to go here at all. Man, when I sat down and prayed, I'd studied all week about Genesis 2 and 3 and about that rib being built into a woman and then the, what happens in the garden. Come back next week because that's hopefully where the Lord will lead me next week. But on Thursday, I saw the headline of what the AMA did and after I had prayed uh, Friday night and Saturday on the Lord lead me to what needs to be said, the first scripture I came to was 1, 26 and 27, where God's creating man in his image and likeness. In that likeness and image created he them. Male and female created he them. And the moment I read male and female, the spirit just kicked in and just went furious on me on typing out everything that you just had because the message has to get taught. We have to know what's going on. They're trying to hide it back there on little web pages that no one... Who, who goes to the AMA website every day just to see what they put out? <laughs> no, we don't. I just told Paula back there today, did you all know that the PCR tests are not good for this virus? Tell me, Miss Sonia. Are they good? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I know so. Because if you go to the Centers of Disease Control way back in their little websites and on their little bitty posts in there, it says that, that they admitted that the PCR test cannot differentiate between COVID or the flu or a code or any type of virus, that it cannot differentiate. Did you know that they do not even have a reference standard to test with the mass spectrometers for COVID, there is not one reference standard for the COVID virus out there. They are admitting now after they got everybody afraid and into the line and march step of every bit of control that they wanted to have. Now they're saying, and you can go to the website and look it up. You can type it in. 
CDC is taking away the PCR test. And it's saying that it doesn't work. We're sorry. But it, you wondered why there was no flu last year, right? Well, and they're saying, we, we've got some other things that we're approving now for that. We're going to go ahead and use what all we've ordered and paid for for the rest of the year, even though it doesn't work. And we will implement next year and choose which one we're going to go with next year for this test. But we're sorry, but stay in, in lockstep with us. And, and we're going to go ahead and keep using them for the rest of the year. Okay, I'm telling you the truth on that. And you can go look it up. This is who we are battling, folks. All the way into the depths of things. Like I said, we've got tons of good and tons of praise for everything that we normally come in contact with. But there's things going on under the surface that's bubbling out. God said, I made man in my image and my likeness, and I created a male and female, created him, and that is very good. And then lastly, in Genesis chapter 2, it goes on that not only was it very good, but... God, as Adam looked and named all the animals and all the different things, he said, man, there's no one for me. I see the lion's got his and the bear's got his and even the caterpillar has his, but there's no one for me. And God said, you're right. And that's a great, that's a great deduction that you just did. And so the Lord God performed the first real surgery, the real great physician, and he caused man to go into a deep sleep and he reached in and he pulled out that rib bone and then he used his finger or whatever it was to close up that wound in the side of man. And while man was recovering in the recovery room, <laughs> that God took that rib bone and it says he, remember we talked about Asa and Bara and all of those little words for how God made man? None of those are used for woman. The woman, it says, was Bana. And you know what Bana means? It means to be built. So God began building the helpmeet for the man. He began building who that would be. That, and God brought the woman that he built. And the word behind to build on Bana, that word means to build. And you can look it up in the, in the Bible dictionary. It means to be built as in building a family. So the next thing that God ordained after man and female, he ordained marriage, and he ordained family. And he did that by building a completely different thing, and an exact opposite. It's called negev, which is where we get our word negative. So when you take them old Polaroid pictures, and you'd have to wait for a minute, and you'd shake it. I think it's there. Not yet. Don't open it yet. And then you'd open it up. You've got the one, and then you've got what? 35 millimeters, you'd take that old roll and wind it up, and then you would get the negatives along with your picture, and it's the exact opposite. So I created male, and then I built from the male the exact opposite that would be your helpmeet to complete you. And God brought that woman and delivered it to the man. He said, oh, whenever Adam looked at Eve, it was Eshaw still at the time, Eshaw, woman or wife, and he looked at her and he said, you done good. It is very good, God. And he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And whenever we come together, we become one flesh. The negative and the picture are one 
and the same. The exact opposites come together and make one. And for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and be joined or obtained into his woman and they will become. That's our word Hayah that we've been talking about where the earth became without form of voice. So, and this is where he says, and we and man and us will become one flesh, something that we weren't before that. And so that was it. And so now that rib was made into that. And then it goes on to say, as we get ready to close and the worship team comes on up. Therefore, the man will leave father and mother and cleave, be joined together with his wife and they will become the one flesh. And it says in the word of God, then that they were naked, the two of them, the man and the woman, his wife, his Isha. It's a masculine singular which got joined to the feminine singular of the words. And they became one. That was marriage. And then it began building the family, Bana, the divine institution and establishments of God Almighty. And they were not ashamed. And you know what? I think it's only due that we don't get into any of the stuff of the fall. Let's let Adam and Eve have another week of being in the garden being naked and unashamed and doing that which God had made as his divine laws and establishments as we close. And I want you to know that if you are here and you've never named the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, today's the day to do that. Don't wait another day. There's too much stuff going on in this world and there's too much deception and too many things. The word of God says when Jesus talked about the sower, how that he went out into the field and began to sow and that the first thing that happens is he sowed the seeds on the field. Do you remember the first thing that happened? Birds came and began eating that seed that was on the wayside. The disciples came later on and said, and then there was, you know, the weeds and the rocks and then the good soil. And the disciples came and said, we don't understand, Lord. What are you trying to tell us with that? And he said, the seed is the word of God. And the, the, the sower is those who put out the word of God. But whenever the word of God goes out to someone who has never known me, it says, before it can be converted into faith, the birds of the air, which represents the evil one, Jesus said, our enemy, the birds of the air come and begin eating up that seed so that it doesn't take root and grow. I want you to know that the mission of the devil is to kill, steal, destroy, to mock, to tear down. And not allow you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So today the word has been sown. If you do not act upon that word. How will you know that the birds of the air will not come. And partake of that seed before that can become fruit in your life. And begin to grow. Today is the day of salvation. Do not let the evil one take that away. Do not let the rocky soil or the hard soil all of the weeds of the cares of this world delay you from doing and making the one decision that will impact eternity. And that is coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are ready to do that today, please come up here and let me know as we sing this song.